0: Happy Draft Week, everybody, and welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Tatino, Meadow, Schmelk, you. We'll take your calls at 201-939-4513 a little bit later in the show. You might have guessed the child has not arrived yet. That is why I'm here. <laughs> due, dates, due date is tomorrow. I am on high alert, but we are in a holding pattern. Are you going to be in the room? Of course. I was in the room the first time. You, You're going to do it again? I would be divorced if I wasn't in the room.
3: Oh, okay. (laughs) So this is by
0: by mandate. Yeah, this isn't you or like your wife, Paul, get out of here. I can't have (laughs) you talking about the Giants while I'm in labor. No, I'm going to be in the room or I'm not going to have a wife anymore. Yes, absolutely. I will be there. Um, So it's coming. Anyway, let's get to our guest. He is Eric Edholm busiest time of year for him we're very grateful that he gave us a few extra uh seconds here on draft week to give the latest buzz of what he's hearing in the 2022 NFL draft. He covers again the NFL draft for Yahoo Sports. We last spoke to him at the NFL combine in Indy. Eric, you got Schmelk, Meadow and Detino. Hope you're well, man. How are you?
1: Yeah, Schmelk. I didn't realize we had a supplemental draft this week. congrats <laughs> It's very exciting and uh yeah, you're, I'm busy, but you're busy, busy. That's that's a fair to point out.
0: Yes, well, will be. Not quite yet, but yes, yeah. will be for sure. All right, Eric, I'm going to leave this out there as broad as possible. What are you hearing?
1: <laughs> a lot. Yeah, obviously the, the kind of the the big news, and it certainly would have a, a trickle down effect for for teams like the the Giants and other teams in the top ten. Is that you know Trayvon Walker is now your your betting favorite for the number one uh, pick in the draft. I mean he is the odds on guy now. When there was this, you know we had Evan Neal in that spot around combine time. Then the the tide shifted to uh, Aiden Hutchinson, and you know now it appears to be settling on Trayvon uh, Trayvon Walker, excuse me. So you know who arguably wasn't even the best player on his defense last year. So. A fascinating development that I think will obviously have a, a trickle-down effect for the next several picks and after Eric, that. And
0: by the way, might not have been the best player in his defense. Might not have been the second best. Might not have been the third best player on his defense. Right. You could make the argument, Dean, Davis... And then 88, I, I don't even know his name, the uh, non-draft elbow. Jalen Carter. Jalen yeah. Carter. you got to all three of those guys were more instrumental last year than him. It's it's It just shows you, I think, what teams are going to do here, Eric. And I think this is a good general theme you can kind of touch on. And I think Derek Stingley might slide into this conversation, too, where it's yep. such a draft where – there aren't that many blue chippers. Teams are trying to find them, and they're looking at Walker's traits and saying, oh, maybe it's him. They'll look at Derek Stingley and say, ooh, that 2019 season, that looks like a blue chip prospect. And I think teams are hunting here for maybe something that's not there.
1: Yeah, I think think you're right. I mean, the not there part I can't say for sure because, you know, at least with Stingley we said, you know, as a true freshman – the guy who was covering jamar chase every single day right. in practice at lsu who looked like a number you know a top 5 pick at that point not obvious
0: Obviously, maybe is a better word not obvious yes
1: right no absolutely no i I'm, I'm just right i mean i'm i'm taking what you said and, and kind of rolling forward which is you do have to have that that you know that, that lens of like okay we understand this is not a typical top 10 it doesn't stack up to last year in terms of name value instant impact value whatever you want to say right so, yeah, I do think there is a little bit of that. Some people are eschewing the, the high-floor prospects for the idea of, you know, if, if this is truly going to be a wild-card top 10, we might as well shoot for the moon, and I think that has kind of affected some teams' thinking.
3: Kind of an offshoot to that, Eric, and, and I appreciate the rationale that you're giving, but at the same time, when you're picking up their top 5, top 10, projection is a hell of a lot more of a risk Than production. And we all know that these general managers, hell, they may have three or four years, and if they make a big mistake like this, this high in the draft, they might not have a job for very long. So how does a GM, and I'm I'm assuming that all this stuff that's out there is not just smoke, that it's true that the projections for (laughs) Walker are putting him up in the number one or number two spot. But how does a GM up there realistically say to himself, I've seen the tape. I know what the better tape is, but you know what? Mm -hmm. What the hell? I'm going to roll the dice, and I'm going (laughs) to roll my future on this projection. i got to be honest with you. I just think that is absolute insanity.
1: Yeah, I I think you make an absolutely fair point, which is, you know, it, it really does come down these days. Back in the day, I mean, you know, it felt like GMs had job security that, you know, head coaches could only dream of, right? I mean, these guys kept their jobs for for longer periods of time typically. So, it was very very hard to get those jobs because they never opened. That has certainly changed over the last decade or so. I would say the GM position has become more like a head coach in that they are, you know, constantly reevaluated and their job security isn't what it used to be. So, that absolutely has to factor into the thinking of each of the individual GMs and you know, what their ownership situation is, what their level of comfort is, right? Obviously you're picking that high chances are you had a a rough season the year before, not always with trades, but you know, that you have to know where you stand and what kind of protection you have for your own your own self preservation. I mean that's a that's a factor. So you know, if they're feeling a little more risk averse, it might be because they've been told, don't worry, you know, you, you know, or their contract stipulates that they're going to be in good shape with a good buyout if they do get fired. So there absolutely has to be a, an examination of who's making the picks and what their status might be. You could argue though, that Tread Balky, the GM of the Jaguars has something to prove here, right? I mean, a lot of people felt like he could have been let go along with the head coach last year. So it, it, no, there's no doubt that that is a part of the equation that, that we have to factor in, and it may not always yield the best results.
4: Eric, on the topic of projection, that brings us to the quarterback position. Not that that's anything that perhaps the Giants are going to look to address at five and seven, but the quarterback market could impact maybe them pulling off a trade or what other teams do around them, especially Caroline at six. What's the likelihood, given this quarterback market obviously doesn't have the same appeal as previous years, that a team would look to aggressively move up that could very well impact who's available for the Giants at 5-7? and seven?
1: Yeah, if you're just talking to people and asking what the, the trade discussions have been, it's, it's been pretty minimal in terms of moving up into that, that portion of the draft, right? Somewhere in the, the, the middle part of, of the top 10 or what have you. There, there, there certainly hasn't been much talk. Now, maybe a savvy team is thrilled with this development, and they say, that's funny because we're actually interested in moving up to that range and think we can get there, you know, spending 75 cents on the dollar for what it would normally cost to, to move up in a trade, or 50 cents on the dollar, whatever it may end up being. So there still is that possibility for somebody who's discount shopping, if you will, and, and recognizes a little bit of a, a market you know, inefficiency or inequality here, whatever you want to call it, to where they can, they can get up to an area that they may not normally be able to move up to, Pittsburgh or, you know, the Saints or whoever the, the quarterback needy team might be. But to Carolina specifically, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that even if we aren't likely to see a trade for a quarterback come prior to Thursday, I still think that's the most viable and, and likely route. There is a scenario for them that if the top three offensive tackles go off the board in the first five selections, including the Giants pick at five, that they may be forced to take a quarterback or desperately try to move out of that spot and, and hope to get one later. Do so I think it's going to pan out or work out for them that way? Probably not. I think there's a good chance that one of those top tackles still will be on the board, whether it's Evan Neal or you know, Ika McQuanu or what have you.
4: Yeah. Well plus Eric, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you Go off, ahead. John, but I was gonna say they could always have the option of acquiring Baker Mayfield too. So I would think it right. works in their that's favor, it. right, to be patient, see how things develop, and then worst case scenario, talk to Cleveland after the fact.
1: Absolutely. I think that's how it's probably gonna play out. If the, the the kind of the nightmare scenario, if you will, where every single offensive tackle they want is gone at that point. Then they have to have a, a fallback option, which is Willis or Pickett at six. And it may not be exactly the way you wanted to draw it up. They don't have second and third round picks. I know this isn't a Carolina Panthers show, but it, it does affect what happens at seven and beyond. So,
3: sure.
1: you know, it, it really is going to be fascinating to see what their, their, their plan of attack is. I don't think they would take a corner because they just took, uh, you know, J.C. Horn at, at number eight or eight or nine last year or whatever it was. So it almost feels like they're boxed into tackle. Or as the fallback, quarterbacks, the nuclear option if they have to go that route.
0: Talking to people around the league, Eric, is it pretty uniform how people have these top three offensive tackle prospects rated or are different teams all over the board with Cross, Neil, and Aquano?
1: Yeah, I think you could you can get all you know, I- any combination of the top three. I mean, I don't know that I've heard anybody say Charles Cross is by far in a way the best tackle. I don't think I've had that conversation. Doesn't mean that somebody out there doesn't feel that way. You know, Cross's pass protection skills are, are really nice. He's got light feet, but in that offense hasn't really proved it as a run blocker. On the other side of the equation, you have Iquanu, who is absolutely built to, to be a, a road grader in the run game immediately. And the pass protection improvement he showed last year, very encouraging. Does he have a ways to go? I think still, yeah. But, you know, those, are, those would be on kind of opposite ends of the spectrum, depending on, you know, who you speak to. Neil falls somewhere in the middle, and he's fascinating to me because, you know, when I had conversations a year ago with starting to, like, get the early jump on the 22 draft, Evan Neal was a very popular choice for, you got to check this kid out. I don't know if it's just fatigue or if people have convinced themselves his ceiling isn't as high as it should be or whatnot. I wouldn't say he's cool. I think he's gone by the sixth pick. But I think there's just been a little bit of... Oh, yeah, we know that guy, right? And so he could end up being a steal for somebody. I don't know.
3: Eric, let me ask you a little bit of an offbeat kind of question because I don't think it's going to happen. I think the percentage chance is extremely small, especially since uh, Brian Dable has admitted pretty much the Giants need to get a right tackle. Uh, What are the odds that the Giants don't get a right tackle at five or at seven? And let's say they wind up with a pass rusher and a cornerback, or something, other combination of some other sorts.
1: Yeah, it would probably take something a little bit unusual happening in front of them, something we're not expecting. Detroit and Houston are certainly two teams that could go off the radar a little bit, and and they've brought in players like Derek Stingley, and you know that that let's say one corner goes before the Giants pick at five, and they say, "Boy, if we really want one, we got to take one here." okay, take Sauce Gardner, fine, or Stingley, if it was the other guy. You know, and then at six, you know, again, if they take the tackle, now you're sitting there saying, well, we're not going to take the fourth tackle here. Now we've got to think about, you know, an edge rusher or what have you. So there is a scenario where that could play out, I think. But it is, like you said, is it the most likely, reasonable option? Probably not. It's more likely, I would guess, they take the tackle at five, and then come back with the the corner at seven if if the right one is there, if they feel good about it, so it's not as wild a scenario as is imaginable, but yeah, I would say it's it's less likely than than it going the other way
4: on a related note, Eric, in terms of what may be available for the Giants at five and seven, you brought up Trayvon Walker could go to Jacksonville number one, so let's operate with that hypothetical that means then Aiden Hutchinson is there for the taking for one of the other teams who may not have expected it. And then there's also Kayvon Thibodeau, where there's been a lot of chatter about concern about his attitude, his overconfidence, maybe not so much football-related stuff, but the outside of football. Does it mesh well with the market? Is there enough of a desire to improve as the years move along? From what you're hearing, how much is that a turnoff to teams that could be within striking distance, including the Giants, of grabbing him in the top ten?
1: Yeah, and of course, you know, the, the combine was fascinating, and you were there, and we all kind of heard his, his comments and whatever. In fact, he even name dropped the Giants as being one of his tougher interviews, which you sure. can read either way. You know, maybe they're, they're sitting there saying, Let, let's put the Spurs in this kid and see how he reacts, and maybe they were impressed. Or maybe, on the other hand, they have some concerns. So that, that, I think, applies to any team picking in the top eight or nine selections. I doubt he gets past there, so... You know, reasonably, theoretically, he's in play from two to eight or nine. I would say that's probably his range. But, yeah, there have been some questions. I mean, the comment that, that seemed to kind of resonate poorly or at least raise more questions was when he was talking about at the Combine, and this got back to NFL teams eventually, you know, basically saying he's a critic of his own game, he watches all his own tape, and, you know, he does all his own work on his own game. And that quote, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically saying – you know, there's no coach that can tell me what I don't already know about my own game. You know, that's the kind of thing where people say, "Ugh, did you have to say that? (laughs) Now you're making us wonder if you're coachable, but I do think it's more of a self-confidence thing with him where it's, no, I just strongly believe I'm the best player in this draft. So I don't kill him too much for that. I do think there's just a little bit of a, you know, brand awareness that, that some teams may be slightly turned off by. So, It just comes down to splitting hairs. If you have him and someone who's viewed as maybe a little bit more reliable, maybe that's the pick. Or, to your theory, maybe this is the year where teams just gamble on traits, and he's got a boatload of them.
0: You mean, Eric, you mean someone like Jermaine Johnson that could be in the same mix as Kayvon Thibodeau? And that's where my question was going to go, so I'll just build off of that. When does the window open for a guy like Jermaine Johnson? Is he, you think, in the mix for teams in the top seven, top eight? Could he be in the mix for the Giants? Is he a little further down? On Teams board, when does Jermaine Johnson's name enter the chat?
1: Yeah, I I would guess a little bit lower. I, I if I had to put you know a, a nickel on it, I would say it's probably after the seventh pick, somewhere between eight and thirteen. I would think, and in you know, fourteen. I suppose you could also say that if he, you know, if the Texans pass on the thirteen, he won't get past Baltimore. That sort of thing. Yeah. You know, he kind of looks like a Ravens player. You can see that, which obviously would put him in play for the Giants, too, I guess, because, you know, the defensive coordinator comes from there. So, you know, it's not like you can't look at his game and be impressed. He went down to the Seahawks Bowl and dominated. He was great down there. The question is, like it is for Trayvon Walker, is does he have enough pass rush impact to truly make it worth a top ten selection? This year, maybe the answer is yes. In other years, maybe it's no. It just happens to be a little bit leaner at the top of the draft or have more questions to where he might be in play. And and obviously it's – I would guess closer towards the double-digit picks than the single-digit ones. I think, you know, 10, 11, and beyond is where his clock starts, but there are some openings in the the top ten that make some sense.
3: Eric, back to another path from the question I asked you a few minutes ago. It was Peter King – who twice over the course of the past month had said he really believed that the Giants were looking to trade out of one of their two picks. Yet this morning, in his latest Football in America column, he has them taking those two picks at Charles Cross and Kyle Hamilton. From the trade wins that you have heard coming up until this morning, do you think the Giants are a legit player in the trade market?
1: If, I think they would love the opportunity to, to look into it, yeah, like a lot of teams in that area, Carolina in, included. So, yeah, that, that, that five to seven pack of picks right there, I think all the, you know, those two teams, three selections, they would, would all have for sale signs on, on them. But, you know, it's like the real estate market. If people aren't looking, even if the price is great, you know, it doesn't mean there's going to be a buyer out there. So it, it really is going to be tough to project a lot of movement up there. But the one position other than quarterback that could affect it is wide receiver. I mean, I I may not believe that there's a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson in this class, at least not right away. Um, but the desperation for that position and the amount of money that was spent in veteran the veteran portion of the offseason indicates that, look, there are some teams that want to you know, they may be willing to settle in the, chase of the case of the Packers or the Chiefs. They trade away their star receivers. You know, they'll take a player with 85% of the talent and 25% of the salary. You know, and you get the fifth-year option. We're almost think of it in quarterback terms now. So that opens the door for possible trade activity. I just don't think that the teams moving down are going to get exceptional value. It's more going to be a, you know, Just sort of, this is what we feel is best, and we think we can save a little bit of money and get more
4: picks. Well, to your point, Eric, it takes two to tango. And if you're a team that thinks there's a lot of depth at a given position – My philosophy would be maybe you wait it out. I mean, look at what happened with New England last year. Mac Jones fell to them. They didn't even have to move. So maybe that happens with a team that perhaps wants a quarterback as opposed to a wide receiver. I want to piggyback off of one of the players Paul brought up, which was Kyle Hamilton, who certainly has intrigue because of his versatility, and perhaps he may be a player that new Giants defensive coordinator Don Martindale could very well take advantage of. But it's the old story Are you getting the more bang-for-your-buck type of emphasis with respect to going into that safety realm? What are you hearing about Kyle Hamilton? And do you think in a year like this where there are some question marks atop the draft, are you getting good value if you're the Giants at 5 or 7 and you target that position?
1: I I like Kyle Hamilton a lot. I really do. I I mean, I absolutely think, you know, uh, using a top-10 pick on him would not be crazy, but... It will really come down to the individual defenses and the, the team preferences as well, and and you know the argument of it's sort of what Atlanta went through last year when they took Kyle Pitts. Now Kyle is a alien, right? <laughs> I mean he's just a different kind of athlete. But I I think they were arguing, hey, do we take a tight end at four? It's the highest that tight end had ever gone before. We've seen some safeties go in that you know kind of three to six range and. It's been mixed results. I mean, it's been some guys who I think are, are solid to good players. Some haven't quite fulfilled their expectations. You could argue they were better, you know, pass rushers, tackles, what have you, wide receivers still on the board. That means more value because the position is more important. So, you know, the, the positional argument is going to, I think, ultimately decide where he lands. If you look at a team that, that values that spot historically, that will sign some bigger free agents or use you know, even lower first-round picks or second-round picks on safeties, they they might have a m- more willingness to, to, to make that that plunge. But his his forty times didn't help him either. You know, mid mid to low four fives, and then at the pro day a four seven. That really dispelled the idea that this was some alien athlete. You know, that he was on a different plane. But football wise, you know, you turn on the Florida State game and you say, all right, that's that's what I want in my safety, a big guy who can run and anticipate and you know, jump in front of passes and things like that. So, you know, it really will come down to how Hamilton is viewed within the scheme of every team's defense and whether that makes sense in that area. I I tend to think he could slip outside the top 10 if I had to guess right now, but I absolutely could understand why a team like the Giants would say, you know, this is this is part of what we need we need talent we need leadership we need all these things he's a humble kid and a great athlete i think overall and he's got the instincts for the position i believe so it wouldn't shock me but i just tend to think he'll go a little bit later
0: eric final question before we say goodbye this is a lot of projecting where do you think you might have a bit of a fall with the Giants and grab some value at 36 do you think i'll give you three three choices here do you think an edge rusher given the depth, might get there at the 36, like an Ebiketti or a Drake mm-hmm. Jackson? Do you think maybe one yep. of those top interior linemen, a Zion, Kenyon Green, or Linderbaum? Or do you think one of the cornerbacks, an Elam, a Booth, someone like that, could be there at 36 to give the Giants really
1: good value? Yeah, I mean, the only guy you mentioned that I don't think would be taken in that range is, is Jackson, not USC. I think there's been some concerns about his conditioning, the weight difference between the combine, and the okay. pro day. You know, so he's the only one that I might eliminate from that list, but they're all the rest of the guys you mentioned I think absolutely make, you know, good sense. So I mean, look if if uh, a safety fell, you know, if the, if Jalen Petrie or Lewis Seen were somehow there, I think they would they would absolutely be in play. Mm. I think Edge Rusher, as you said, if Eva gets out of the first round, you know, that's a guy that has a lot of fans around the league. But I think because of the size and the, and the you know, the one year jump after uh playing at Temple there might be a little suspicion about him and he may not be in the first 32 picks which could help a team like that. I know he won't get past mid second round. So you got to take him there or nowhere. So those are obvious, you know, possibilities. Logan Halls another one to keep in mind. He's I like kind of him. a Yeah, you could play him at the 3, you could play him at the 5, he could you could even play him as a big base end in certain situations. That's a hot name right now. Logan Hall is a, te- a guy who has some 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 suitors, I think, in this league. So that's another name I might throw out in that range. But absolutely, I would say defense makes makes a lot of sense there.
0: Eric, do me a favor. Tell the folks where they can find your stuff, anything you're doing this week you want them to keep an eye out for. You're one of the best. Tell them where they can find you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, over at Yahoo Sports, you can check out all my work, a lot of prospect stuff, working on a Trayvon uh, Walker piece right now. Final mock, I believe, drops Wednesday morning twitter it's uh, eric with a c underscore ed home and uh we're doing a twitter space tonight charles robinson my colleague and i at uh 5 eastern so if you want to hop on and ask us a question or you know throw anything our way we'll uh, we'll do our best to get to everybody
0: enjoy the madness eric thanks thanks for being with us i appreciate you taking the time and we'll talk to you down the road great right stuff back. yeah thanks All right, eric fellas,
1: enjoy thursday see
0: ya you too man eric at home from yahoo sports one of my favorites does a great job good guy oh eric's the best we always Absolutely. have Mr. does a fantastic yep. job. All right, let's open the phones here, guys. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat. We'll take your calls for the next half hour. And if we end up going a little bit long on some of the shows this week, I know a lot of people want to get in before the draft. We want to try to get in as many calls as we can. We do have one guest each day. We actually have two tomorrow because we got a, a Mike Golick Sr. got thrown on my lap. So we're going to talk to him at 12.50 tomorrow along with um, Arif Hassan, who does the um, – uh, consensus draft board that we've talked about at times during this process too where he kind of tracks where everyone's going in big boards and stuff and we'll talk to those two guys at different points the tomorrow. Athletic. So that should be fun. Yes, from The Athletic does a great job. So, uh, we'll a busy week but and then Thursday we're going to have a two-hour show. Friday we'll have a two-hour show and then of course we'll be live on Saturday from 11 to 1. So make sure you go and check all that good stuff out. Let's go to Jerome in Charlotte. He's going to lead us off today. Jerome, what's up?
5: Hey guys, love the show. I've been listening to y'all for years. Thank you. Um, I want to know um who the, the linebackers who still under contract. Um, particular um, I can't think his name. I think it was Jalen Smith. Uh, we signed um from the
0: Cowboys. He's a free he agent.
3: Released. Yeah, he he's his contract ran out. He's a free agent. He hasn't signed with anybody yet. Yeah, the only
0: it's actually it's funny when we were out there watching practice last week. One of the First of all, DBs was one. And then the other one I looked at, I'm like, boy, there's not a lot of linebackers out there. Uh, It's Blake Martinez. It's Cam Brown. It's Tay Crowder. Crowder, Carter Coughlin. Carter Coughlin. And then the rest of the guys are kind of more edge guys than they are off-ball linebacker guys. So TJ Brunson, I think, technically is still on the roster. Yeah, he Mm -hmm. is. So those are kind of the guys you're looking at. But look— There aren't many spots in this roster that you cannot describe as some sort of need. So, yeah, I think linebacker is certainly a spot that this team will look look at. And, frankly, I think it's a a fairly deep draft at that spot, too, to be honest with you, Jerome.
5: So, is is it possible uh, we we get a top one in the um, draft and then um, maybe a couple uh, of
1: free agents?
0: Well, I don't. Well, Jerome, thanks for the call. I don't think there are a ton of free agents left on the market that you know are going to be of, of great value. Uh, in terms of the draft, I don't. I mean, is it impossible that Devin Lloyd is a top ten pick as someone a team really believes in this year in a draft where there's a lot of questions and Devin Lloyd's a guy that has just put so much good film on, you know, tape that someone picks him in the top ten. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't like fall off my chair and die. Uh, I think he's a big third-down weapon. He's a good coverage guy. He can rush the passer. Um, really good movement skills. But I think day two is 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 golden for linebackers. Like, if the Giants wanted to, they'll probably have a good linebacker that they can pick. That'll be available at the top of the third round if they want. If they want to go at the top of the second round, heck, Nacoby Dean might still be on the board with the Giants picking round two if you want to run a hit linebacker, who a lot of people think is the best linebacker in the draft. So... Uh, I think day two and beginning of day three is a real nice sweet spot for the linebacker class.
4: And remember when we're talking about interior linebackers, a lot of that deals with the scheme. If Wink Martindale doesn't feel like he's going to put three guys on the field very often, then it decreases the value of needing to use draft capital on that position. Maybe you can grab a veteran free agent later on as you get closer to training camp. I mean, I'm looking at the list right now. There's certainly a handful of interior linebackers that have plenty of experience in the NFL, and I don't think anybody's knocking down doors to sign them. If the Giants feel like they didn't address it, they didn't get a late-round pick, bring in a guy in free agency as you look at your needs and you go from there. But keep in mind, very few teams put three linebackers on the field So you're not going to have the need of two interior linebackers. It doesn't mean you need... To just overlook it and not protect yourself from injury. But I just I don't think the value of that position is where it was perhaps 15 to 20 years ago.
3: Not at all. And in fact, to be honest, it depends on if you're going to play a 4-3 or a 3-4 as well. Yeah. Uh, even with the sub package, because the responsibilities of those guys are different. Well, and safety sometimes plays yeah, that role now too so on the safety. Yeah. No question. So, I mean, even if you're a 3-4, like we think the Giants will play some 3-4 more than anything else other than the sub. I mean, if you look at it, you're looking at your 3-4, what are you saying? Well, you're saying, well, we're going to be in sub-65% of the time. Yeah, maybe more. All right, so two linebackers might be on the field for three downs. Well, Blake is going to be on the field for all three downs. Well, assuming he's healthy, that, and he's on the last year of his deal. Okay, so that you think, okay? But are you sure, are you sure that there's another linebacker on the team that is going to be on the field for all three downs, or... Or are you subbing out that other linebacker as not necessarily a safety, but are you going to use two guys in that spot? For example, do you think that, um, let's say on early downs, maybe Carter Coughlin is one of the two inside linebackers. And maybe on third down, the other backer who stayed, who's on the field could be Crowder because he's got more athleticism than Carter Coughlin and has some better coverage skills. If you're going to play a 3-4 as your primary, that second inside linebacker, if he's, if he's on the field as part of your sub-package, he's got to be able to cover. He has to have range. So there's a lot of, of parts to that equation. So And quite frankly, I don't think it's a very deep draft at linebacker on in the interior. I just don't. I, I don't care for it very much. Weak side backers, as John mentioned, if you ha- if you want a traditional weak sideline backer, there's a few of those. Inside linebackers, uh, not with the kind of athleticism that you're going to want. That's going to be able to play on a third down passing situation. They well, just they're just not there.
4: And by the way, Paul, I'm just I'm looking over the numbers of snap counts, to your point, last season. I understand it's a new coordinator and a new scheme. So there's only so much substance you could put behind this. But Blake Martinez was hurt, so I'm going to throw that out the window. Tay Crowder was the only linebacker, by the way, that played over 90% of He had snaps. to. Yeah. No, I know, because of necessity, which is why I threw out the Blake Martinez injury. But if you go outside of Crowder... And you eliminate the guys that you consider to be pass rushers, okay? Because we're having more of a conversation of interior linebackers. No one else got even into the 40% range other than Reggie Ragland. No, they played safety. That was it. They played safety. But that's why we're having this conversation. If you want to campaign for an interior linebacker, when you take snap counts into consideration, does it justify using draft capital on a position that you're not going to put on the field very often? And so,
3: if again, not knowing what week wants to do, if I even thought about looking at a backer, I'll wait until the third day. I'm going to throw some names at you, Paul. Christian Harris. Alabama. Oh, let me get out my notes. Because
0: he's a guy that can run. He didn't cover a lot of Alabama, but he can certainly run. I mean, his testing was off the charts. And if you watch the tape, he flies.
3: All right, where is he? Where is he? Christian Harris. I got him as a weak sideline backer. I don't have him playing inside. Why? because that's what I have him as. I had speed, downhill, coverage, and burst. Did not care for his frame, his motor, his tackling skills, his shedding ability, and his reads. How about Chad Mumma out of Wyoming? Uh, let's see what I had for him. I have him possibly playing either a middle and a 4-3 or inside linebacker and a 3-4. Okay. I imagine you have Leo Chanel in that same category. As an inside I, have, guy. I have him as an inside linebacker or a strong sideline backer okay. as a projection. Yeah, see, me.
0: you'll put a lot of these undersized guy's, guy's outside, is my bet. Like, you probably have Asamoa outside, right, too? The guy out of Oklahoma? I have him as a weak sideline Yeah, okay, I got you. That makes sense, then. Okay.
4: I think Chanel has the versatility to play multiple positions. I would heavily consider him. I don't he's like his—I know he distance.
0: tested really well. I don't think he can cover well enough.
4: I'd be willing to take a flyer on him of all the guys you named. Well, I, mean, I wouldn't necessarily go extremely high, but if the yeah, range is right, I'd be willing to take. My him. guess is that he's
0: probably going to be gone before your third round pick. Is my guess.
4: Well, he's certainly in that range. Yeah. So, so
0: we'll see. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Cliff in New York's up next. Hey Cliff.
5: How you doing, guys? What's Good to up? hear all this stuff. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad to hear about the defense because since January, I've been thinking about defense for the draft, especially defensive linemen. I've heard nothing about defensive linemen. Uh, uh, I hope that doesn't mean that there's no uh, that guy that plays for Tampa in the middle. uh, There's nobody like him in the draft. You're talking about.
0: You mean okay? Okay, so you're talking interior defensive line because we've been talking about defensive ends a ton.
5: Well, no, defensive ends is what I meant, but I guess I was thrown by the defensive ends being smaller and Paul reminded me how big O.C. was and how big Strahan was at the end. Um, So I'm adjusting to that, but all I know is uh, I felt bad when we lost Dalvin Tomlinson and I was afraid how it might affect uh, Leonard Williams and and as it turned out, we ended up with um, um, our our big man playing defensive end instead of in the middle, uh, Dexter Lawrence. And, and uh, I, I really was really concerned about that, because uh, putting that together with hearing about Iquanu, I'm reminded of the wisdom of Bill Parcells, um, which, which is, was ringing in my head uh, a couple of times uh, during the last few shows. Uh, after the 1990 Super Bowl, he opens up his, his postgame by saying, gentlemen, Power wins football games. Power wins football games. And I'm thinking, do we have the power yeah, but on that, both sides yeah, but, of the line? That, that
3: was thirty years ago, dude.
5: I know, and I know, but I say that hasn't changed much. That part hasn't changed. No, it's because still a physical game. The game.
3: You still have to hit people, you still have to tackle people. That hasn't changed. Now what has changed are the positions. Okay? Now instead of having a, a simple wide receiver, no, now you got an X, Y, and a Z. Uh, and you got a gadget receiver. And instead of having a running back, no, now you got a three down back and a half back and a full back and an H back. Uh, instead of a tight end, you got a flex tight end, you got a wide tight end, you got an inline <laughs> tight end, you got a blocking tight end. Well, and the game is much more based around speed than it used to it, be. It, so much compartmentalized substitutions that every position has now been broken down. You can't say anymore defensive tackle. No. Is he a nose tackle in a 3-4? Is he a nose tackle in a 4-3? Or a defensive tackle in a 4-3? That's a three technique. The game is so splintered now. It takes forever. Ever to break this stuff down, it gives me a massive headache. I don't mind telling you, it was so much easier thirty years ago. I well, don't uh, go ahead, Lens. I'm sorry. No,
4: I, all I was going to say is with respect to the caller's point about the defensive tackle position, power still plays a role. But you got to prove that you get after the quarterback. Yep. If you get after the quarterback as much as you can stop the run, teams are going to value you because they're not going to take you off the field. So Vita Vea, for example, not a huge sack guy, but certainly has the power. Can get after the quarterback. Very good against the run. Dalvin Tomlinson was good against the run. He didn't give you a lot of. Sacks. So his value wasn't nearly as high. Aaron Donald can play inside, outside, can do a lot of different things. I know he's at the top of the pinnacle, but still, those guys have value, but they need to show position versatility. That's what differentiates them.
0: And Let me say, yeah, this, I get, too. All, I Go
4: get ahead. all that.
5: Mm-hmm. I get all that. I get all that. And, I, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm coming up to speed on all that. I just have this lousy feeling that there's two holes in the front seven when, when we're in the basic defense. And, and one of them showed up in the last game of the year. We were hearing it from Carl in the broadcast of the game that Tay Crowder was, did a great job. And w- when uh, Blake first went down, he was hailed as the guy that could call the defensive signals, and that was great. But they were running right at him because he just wasn't that big in the last game. And, and uh, so I'm glad you were talking about inside linebackers. But I don't know how that translates to the t- first two picks. I'm, I'm still... Uh, I'm thinking Iquano might be our best bet for for uh, a Godfather deal. Uh, that, that somebody will be excited about him because you don't he's you don't matter, get you don't get
0: Godfather deals for non quarterbacks. You it's don't only quarterbacks for for Godfather deals. Yes,
3: <laughs> absolutely.
0: That's just the facts. That's the way it is. That's the
3: history tells you that.
0: In fact, there's been a lot of reporting this weekend, Cliff. That, and I think Eric kind of referred to this too in his spot that the price to move up this year is much lower than it is in past seasons you can probably because burn you don't charge those John. premium players right well you can certainly you could probably burn the damn thing. I don't know if you burn the chart but you certainly have to take off the table so some of the deals we've seen the last few years with teams trading up for quarterbacks because you're just not going to get that amount of value for one of those picks which mm-hmm. is why i've been saying i wrote it in fact or fiction last week i wrote it in cover 3 today And I don't think we're going to have any trades in the top 10. The Panthers are desperate to get out of number six. They have a coach that's going to get fired. They don't have another draft pick until the fourth round. There is no quarterback worth taking at six. They are desperate to move back and pick up uh, day two picks. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. The Giants would love to move back. The Seahawks traditionally have always tried to move back. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets want to pick up more picks. So... I think a lot of teams are going to want to move back, Cliff. I don't think there are going to be many teams at all that want to move up.
5: Well, then what do we do? We you sit pick. at five and seven. Well, you make a pick.
4: <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? You take a player. Just take a quad drive, five, okay? All these Just,
3: just, just yeah. dispense all the crap. Take a quad drive. I don't five. know.
4: I was so
5: excited. I was so excited about Joe Shane having 50 draft picks you know, over the next two years that uh, it's hard for me to get off of that, but uh, I'll try harder.
0: All right, Cliff. Thanks for the call, man. And look, All that's right. the thing. I, I think you're going to be disappointed about a Paul. Fine. We'll
3: right. see.
0: Just saying. I, I don't think he's going to be there. And who knows? If he is there, maybe the Giants like one of the two guys better. I don't know. I'm scared stiff. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm scared stiff. He'll be gone. But Defensive we'll tackle. I don't think this is a very deep defensive tackle class. And i got to be honest. I, a couple, I watched him a couple weeks ago. We just haven't, he hasn't come up in conversations. So I haven't had a chance to talk about him much. But... I was unimpressed with Jordan Davis's tape. Got to be honest with you. Like I expected to see like Vita Vea tape where he is, you know, putting guys on, you know, rails and sliding them back to the quarterback. Like he holds his ground really well and anchors and stops guys from pushing him. He doesn't get any penetration on passing downs, on rushing downs. I was more impressed with his agility than his power, which for a guy that is that size is rid- is ridiculous. I mean, I'm going to say something that's crazy. I'm looking at my rankings right now. I have Jordan Davis as my fourth defensive tackle on, on on the board. I would pick Logan Hall above him. I would pick Devontae Wyatt above him. I thought Travis Jones's tape was better than Jordan Davis's. And as someone that believes in the testing, I realize this is like, you know, crazy talk, and people are like, John, you're out of your mind, you're crazy. But I'm sorry, I did not see a Vita Vea-level dominant player in the middle of that defense.
4: I just didn't see it well he didn't have a lot of sacks in college either no tackles for loss yeah. well but and here's the thing you have a lot of talent around you at georgia so you figure right that's going to give you more opportunities yeah, to put those stats up think. just wasn't there yeah and that's the thing Les, i'm not even looking for sacks he well ain't. i'm looking for a especially if right. you play at georgia though but, with that talent around he, you but, but at least i would expect that to translate a little bit can
0: i at least see it in the backfield on tape like I, he just he's at the line of scrimmage i, I don't know paul am i crazy
3: no, I mean he got a weight fluctuation up to 380 pounds, which is going to be a problem. Yeah, can,
0: can he okay. stay at 340 where he weighed in at the combine? That's, I don't know.
3: That's a huge issue. Um, I wrote down he's he's not very good off the snap. He doesn't have he doesn't have no. quickness off the snap. He doesn't shed very well. No. those are issues for me. Uh, I wrote down he's strictly going to be a nose tackle in a three four for me. I would not even play him in a four three. He would be a three-four nose, and the other problem is uh, Georgia took him off the field a lot on passing downs. He played
0: fifty-third okay? downs the entire that's season, it. and a
3: lot of those are short-yardage ones. That's the pro, That's a huge problem. Yeah. D- Georgia he, was contending for a national championship, right. and in those spots, he's coming off the field. And you talk about that doesn't make me feel good. And you talk about the weight—is he
0: physically capable of playing forty-five snaps a game? So he was playing twenty to thirty snaps per game. I, I would have... be very, I would be very hesitant on him, and I know I'm in the minority. So many people love him, no, I and get watch it. the Giants will trade down, they'll take him, and I'm going to look like a schmuck. But I think there are legitimate, I, there well, are things that I worry about. If
3: you like trade that. down and take him, there's a lot less risk than taking him at oh, seven. Well, no, I
0: would never Come on. in a jillion years pick him at seven.
3: There are some people who just look at him and say he is a very unique human being. Oh, he is. He's a rare size, strength, all his other specimen stuff. Specimen is the word you're Right, specimen. For. There you go, specimen. Holy good God, we're not working in a lab here. We're working on a football field. Right, and like he checks, like, all right, well, this guy, look at his size
0: and his legs and his strength. He should be able to do this. He should be able to do that. He should be able to do this. He should be able to do that. Can you show it to me on the tape?
3: No, I know.
0: And again, I thought he actually tracked people down. Like, I thought there were a couple outside zone runs where he actually got down the line and, like, chased down running backs. I'm like, oh, my God, for a guy that size to do that is ridiculous. But I'm not picking a nose tackle for his ability to to track guys down and not to outside zone. That's not why I'm picking him. No, 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 no. He's got
3: to plug. He's got
0: to be a yeah. plugger. And again, I think he... If, look, if you're looking for a guy to just two-gap and take on two offensive linemen and hold your ground, he's perfect for you. He'll be great. He'll be fantastic. He'll be the best player in the draft at doing that.
4: Doesn't if you also,
3: If Not, you not also that high, at, that's for sure. Yeah. You want to go take like him lower,
4: you could think about it. The other thing is, if you look at what Wink Martindale did in Baltimore, he sometimes put an edge rusher on the inside who has some versatility. So I just I don't know if Wink would have a need or campaign heavily for a guy like that. I mean, that's the other thing I'm thinking about because I'm assuming Joe Shane obviously is going to go to his defensive coordinator and say, if I give you this guy, what are you going to utilize him for? I think Wink may say, you know, I could use Leonard Williams a little bit on the inside if I really want an additional guy like
0: that. And Lance, I'll throw this out there too. And even though I know we're not the highest on Trayvon Walker here, that's why I think Trayvon Walker, if he somehow got to five, which he won't, I think Wink Martindale would knock everyone down in that draft room and run to the podium because he likes versatile guys that can line up all across the line and are physical athletic freaks. Trayvon Walker checks every one of those boxes, every single one. He can move to your point, Lance. You could put him over the nose tack. You can put him at three technique. You can put him on five technique. You can put him on the wide nine. Wink loves those types of guys, so I think he would love
3: a guy like Trayvon Walker because he's so versatile. I, I agree with that statement. The problem is the people who are projecting him to be the number one or number two p- person in the draft, they're thinking as edge rusher, he's going to be a double-digit sack guy. Do and they, that, know? And that's, I Do think you think? That, think? I, you, if you put the guy one or two, if the guy's one or two in the draft, you're saying he's getting double-digit sacks. What if, what, what if you think... He'll
0: be a guy what if he's Calais Campbell? He's done double digit
3: sacks. Right, but what if but, but he's
0: not he's not an edge player though? Like what if he's Calais Campbell? That to me is the compliment. Calais for him. Campbell over his year though, over his years, has played a lot of outside. So well, he's played some outside, but he's played defensive tackle just as much. And that's why I'm saying what if Trayvon Walker is Calais Campbell? Is he worth that pick in this draft? Number one class? or number two? Probably not. If you tell me he's going to give you Clayus Campbell's career, I would take him at one or two.
3: I would like him in the top ten at one or two. One or two's got to be better than that. Klayas yeah, but... Campbell's not going to the Hall of Fame. Ooh, right. Nice. He's got a little bit worse ways to no, go he, It'll be He's close. not there yet. He's borderline. He's not there yet. Here's
0: the problem, Paul. I don't think there are many Hall of Famers in this class.
3: So your, your argument would be weak class kind of helps him rise higher. He's the best guy. Yeah, I mean, you can yeah. only pick a guy based on who he's going up against in the class, right? Well, if, here's the thing. If you believe, and again, this is all hypotheticals. And if, be, if you believe that Thibodeau is a double-digit sack guy, if you believe that Hutchinson is a double-digit sack guy, well, no, I hear you You know what? Then, then taking uh, Walker, who I happen to agree with you, I think Wink would love him. And I think his versatility provides a tremendous amount of value, but when you're taking a guy one or two, okay, I think the what if he's Leonard Williams? <sighs> Again,
0: another guy who's kind of versatile, right? He can go outside, he love, can go inside. Love Leonard on, Williams. Leonard Williams
3: was a with top five pick with that, the Jets, well, and that, I agreed with that. That for me but is one or what,
0: two. That for me is what the comp is for him. Those are the two guys that I see. When I think Trayvon Walker and what he can do and how you can use him in the NFL. Still too much of a projection for me. Okay. No, and I understand. But um, to me, if you're looking for like, all right, this is the best case scenario for this guy for me, I think those
3: are the guys that I'm kind of talking about. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. I I, I need more production on tape than projection. The, the The ratio is a little too much for me to go that far on a first or second pick overall. Fair enough.
0: 201-939-4513. And, then Paul, I, I hear you. I understand. But I, I th- no, it's fair. But, but nobody's right or wrong on this. But, I, unfortunately, I, I think that's the problem with this class, that those guys don't exist, which is why I asked Eric the question I did, right? People are trying to find the guy that
3: has yeah, the it tools was a fair to a star. It was a you good question to ask. Yeah. Although I, I think you know the whole thing about Hutchinson is interesting because I've talked to a number of scouts who said to me, look, All right, there may be some games where he's going up against an offensive tackle who has the really long arms and the power and the strike, and they're going to stymie him but he's like, OK, so if that happens four or five times a year, what if the guy gets 14 sacks in the other games? Well, no, he, uh, he's a guy okay. that, to me,
0: will eat up the bad tackles. But he's going to he have trouble dest- versus the good ones.
3: He will destroy the bad guys. Right. He'll probably win against the average guys. But against the elite guys, you might look up at the end of the day and say he had two or three oh, tackles why, and no sacks. That's
0: why, even though I have reservations about Hutchinson, he's such a safe player for me that I would still pick him in the top okay. three. You know what I mean? He's
3: a one or two guy.
0: Right. Automatically. I don't
3: know that I can put Walker there yet. Yeah, but in a normal year Hutchinson wouldn't be a one or two guy. I didn't
0: coming. say that. Right.
4: <laughs> well also if though you're evaluating Hutchinson from that perspective though, I think who else you have on your team to sure. me, would influence. For example, if you're Jacksonville, you got Josh Allen. So you figure process of elimination, those guys would hopefully cancel out some of the issues in games where maybe it's relatively quiet meaning if hutchinson doesn't have it then allen will make up for it vice versa so i feel a little bit better if i'm jacksonville knowing i got josh allen if you're a team and you think hutchinson's going to be your prized possession and he's going to do the heavy lifting maybe you're a little bit more fearful but jacksonville to me is not in that position that's jacksonville i think has some of the big guys up front all
3: right i think hutchinson though would be would be just about between five and ten in even a really good draft I really oh, do. Hey, that's not bad though. Between five and it's ten, not and bad a really at all. Draft, it's take, not bad at
0: all. I'll take that positioning. I would put him around ten. I think around ten would be a, a good place for him. All right, let's get back to the phones. 201-939-4513. The only people sleeping about hunches and only a one year of production. It's another thing too. It's another thing. It's, well, just, it's like know, Jermaine Johnson. John. Yeah, and, absolutely. That
3: usually him. scares me off a lot of times, but you know I like the but tape. That's what this year's class is, man.
0: Pete and can't get greedy. Pete and Stan Allen. And we'll make sure we get to all three people that aren't hold here. Pete, what's going on? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? We're good, Hi.
2: All right, I haven't, John, I, jeez, I haven't called in a, in a month. I've been waiting to get in, and let me, let me call today. I got a couple of things. One, what's your uh, draft day look like as far as, uh, you know, what you guys are going to put out? Are you going to be on MSG? Where are you going to be?
0: Uh, we are just going to stream stuff on Giants.com and our YouTube channel. We're not doing anything on actual TV.
2: Okay, and you guys are going to be uh, from what time to what time?
0: Well, we're, we, we're not doing anything. The superstars down the hall have taken our draft live time on Thursday and Friday. So we are going to record rapid reactions and post them up on Giants.com. Uh, mm-hmm. So make sure you keep an eye on that. Just look at my Twitter page. I'll tweet them out when they're up. But uh, Bob Papa, Carl Banks, and then uh, it'll be actually Paul, Sean, and Dave, I think, right on Friday, right? Both, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They'll be coming on for, like, short segments after each pick. I'm not sure if they're going to – and they'll probably come on and off in between the two threes. I'm waiting we'll for instructions. Right. <laughs> I, I think they we're still figuring that out. Uh, but then okay. we will but then we will also record uh, BBKs, and we'll put them up, so you can go to Giants.com and check those out.
2: Okay, so it's not going to be a live stream throughout, throughout you know, at sadly, least five and seven. Sa-
0: sadly, not because of NFL rules, no. But we will be on for two hours each afternoon, Thursday from 12 to
3: 2 and Friday from 12 to 2. Yeah, the, okay. the league kind of clamped down on this stuff a few yeah. years ago.
4: Yeah. It's too bad. Really, I don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah, you was, go
0: geez. back five years ago, we were on four or five hours at a time on draft night. It was fantastic. It
4: really was. Well, they want the yeah. focus to go on the broadcast because they pay a lot of rights for that access. I'm yeah, sure that and has by, and to by the way, too.
0: there's around five of them. There's an yeah. ABC one, there's an ESPN one, and there's an NFL Network one. So yep. I understand okay. they, don't, they, they don't want to compete with us. I get it. <laughs> we would kill their whole New York, New the Jersey, market, I understand. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, like you know, do we really want to deal with you know Lance Meadow? Hey, and the answer is no.
2: I got news here. If I had a choice between uh, listening to you guys and listening to Kuiper, I'm listening to
0: you. I appreciate that. Pete. Thank you. What else you got for us? All
2: right. Uh, I wanted to talk to you. Uh, well, you guys just mentioned defensive tackle, but first I wanted to get to linebacker, all right? Because we don't know how Blake's going to come back here. Right? We seriously don't know. He's not going to hit the field, uh, from what I understand, until August. Am I correct uh, on that? Yeah,
0: I w- he's probably not going to do anything until training camp. But I think his rehab generally is going fairly well.
3: It, it is fair you know to say, and I, I know I'm free to say this because there was one day of open media during the volunteer uh, mini camp. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was uh, not on the field that one day the media was here. Correct. But. He has done his rehab and he's on schedule and seems to be very upbeat whenever we've seen
4: and,
0: him. And he was he has been in the building a lot this whole yes. season, too. Yes. Yes. And
4: remember, he tore his ACL early in the season. Yeah. So, October, right? Or end yeah. of September, Lance? No, it was end of September, end of September right? September. Yeah, I think it was mm-hmm. week three, if I'm correct, or somewhere around okay. there. So we're we're not talking about... That doesn't mean that he's an automatic to be 100%, but it's better to suffer that injury earlier in the season than perhaps like a Matt Pairt who we're talking about very much late in the year. I would be
0: surprised if Blake isn't ready to go by camp. So would I.
2: Okay. No, I get that part, and I think he'll be ready to go. Uh, we just don't know at what level he's ready to go. Sure. We don't sure. know if he's 80% of, of, uh, of Blake from two years ago. We You know, we have no idea. So, obviously, this position, in my opinion, has to be addressed. Okay? And I'm sure in your opinion, too. Uh, No matter what, because we don't know what we're getting, all right? Um, Now, uh, I did have, I heard the names you had mentioned. You mentioned, uh, uh, what's his name, Mooma. You mentioned uh, Chanel. You mentioned uh, Harris, right? Uh, Of those three, I kind of lean a little. I like Harris a little bit, Johnny. I heard you mention it, okay, Um, uh, and Mooma. I don't know about Janela as an inside guy. I agree with Paulie there, okay? Um, but I do think that that position certainly has to be, has to be, uh, 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 uh oh, what?
0: Geez, addressed. What are you talking about? Addressed. It yeah. has
2: to be addressed.
0: It yeah, doesn't what necessarily you have to be, be addressed
4: do. in the first round. Yeah.
3: Thank, yeah. thank you, Pete. There's a yeah. difference. Yeah. Here's yeah. what you got to do, um, and thank you for the phone call. When you look at the the need component, for what the Giants are trying to fill up here during this offseason. One of the things you have to say to yourselves, and and I I go through this every offseason, and I know they, they do this in the personnel department too, they say, okay, listen, this is a hole, this is a thin spot. This is a hole, this is a thin spot. Then they say to themselves, okay, of the guys that are on the roster right now, is there a potential answer there? And if there's not, now that that thin spot or that hole becomes something that has to be addressed more immediately. And this is why, with the Giants at the inside linebacker spot, you say to yourself, Martinez is a potential answer. You're not 100% sure. You don't totally X the position out. But at least you have a potential answer there. Unlike at right tackle, where I believe all of us would look at that spot and say, there's really not a potential answer there. And if they eventually have to move on from James Bradbury, there's really no potential answer there. I disagree. I think that Aaron Robinson is a potential answer there. But then you have no one in the slot. Well, I think what is happening is they're going to be looking at Darnay Holmes again back in the slot.
0: I mean, but Robinson outside. I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah, he did play press a lot in college, I guess. I guess. I would not feel great about that. It's a
3: small sample size, too. That's Again, you don't right. have to feel great about it. You have to gauge the potential yeah, of is there some is there a live body that we feel like he's got something that he could man, be the answer. Man with pulse
4: can play corner. If <laughs> <And, laughs> well, no, but this is what they do. I mean, no, you're yeah, in right, trouble, but this is what they do. That's, that's an joking. extremely low bar. If, I mean, if <laughs>
3: they know that there is a spot where it's like, okay, you know what. There is nobody in the building who can do that, right, okay? Right. No, they, they can't possibly have any chance to fill that hole. That is now a gaping cavern that you go into the draft
4: and say, we need right. that position. I think if Blake shows signs that he's not yet ready, I think they could bring in somebody off the street as a free agent as you get closer to the season. Now, that's assuming you have the resources to address that, but I don't know if the urgency is to use a high pick on that position. I, I, I would be more patient in waiting it out, it's, seeing it's a how Blake performs in training camp, and then once again, because I do see a few free agents that I think could easily slide in and play inside linebacker. Wait, I'll tell you feders. what,
3: if it comes down to it, they, and they don't do anything in the draft, they don't see anything they like, and they let it go, and the summer goes by, I'd pick up the phone and call Jalen Smith back. Sure,
4: you can really do that, would. but remember, it is a different scheme now. It's not the same coaches, so they may not feel the same way about it. Very possible. the previous regime. Very did.
0: possible. All right, so let's see. So we have needs, Dire needs a corner, tackle, linebacker, pass rusher, tight end, running back, interior offensive line. Have I missed any <laughs> that are actually on the football field? Safety off, oh, safety too. We've literally listed every position that plays football, except for defensive tackle.
4: It's more of a reason why you need difference makers. And,
0: and by the way, if you don't pick up Dexter Lawrence's fifth-year option, that's in need next offseason. <laughs> Let's go to Clay of Brooklyn. He's up next. Clay, how's it going? Clay, going once. We might have hit half an hour with him, Pearson. So, Clay, if you're listening, we can't hear you. Call us right back. I will get you right back on. All right, pal? Clay, call us right back, please. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico. He's up next. Hey, Scott.
6: Hey, guys. Uh, I missed the first portion of the show. Uh, I want to know, first of all, John, are congratulations in order for you yet?
0: I am here, so not yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs> Just checking. Uh, no, he's actually well, in the delivery room as we speak. So Okay. Will you keep it uh, down over there, Katie? <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, my
6: goodness. <laughs> uh, uh, Say you get your tackle at number five. Uh, With the number seven pick, is it possible you would entertain the idea of taking Derek Stingley the way Wink Martindale plays his defense?
0: I was going to bring up Stingley, Scott, and it's kind of the reason why I asked Eric that question. I've talked myself into Stingley for two reasons. All right, One, there's been reporting, and it's been corroborated by a couple different people, that he hurt that List Frank this year in August and tried to play on it this season. So I'm taking his tape from this year and I'm throwing it in the garbage can because I found out he's playing on a list-frank injury. So that doesn't tell me anything. So I'm throwing that tape away, okay? Last year, meaning 2020, the LSU defense during COVID was such a disaster. You look at anyone's tape that year on their defense, whether it's Damone Clark or Neil Farrell, everyone's tape on defense that year stunk. So – Now, does that excuse Derek Singley's tape not being very good? It doesn't excuse it, but it gives you some context to it. Then you look back and you say, all right, well, in 2019, he was the best cornerback in all of college football as a freshman covering SEC-wide receivers, and he covered Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in practice every day. And from what I understand, based on, again, reporters that I trust did a great job on those guys in practice. So if Sauce Gardner is gone... Right. And you're sitting there, and you're thinking about him or Kayvon Thibodeau. I think I have just as good of an argument that I think Stingley has a higher upside than Thibodeau does, based on what he right. did. Because Stingley's play in 2019 is better than any sustained play that Thibodeau has put on tape in his time at Oregon. Okay. That's my Again, I'm not saying I'm going to go there, but that's my argument for why Stingley should be in the conversation. Yeah. So,
6: the short answer for the seventh pick is that you wouldn't entertain the possibility of taking Stingley. Uh, I
0: would entertain
3: or... it, yes. Okay. My first like... question would be to the medical people. And that has to be it. You're 100% guys, right. yeah. tell me about that Liz Frank yep. that he had. Mm-hmm. What is the possibility or the percentage chance that it will recur? Yep. And, or, we're going to have to give him a lot of practice reps off because we're going to have to game manage him and kind of milk him along yes. on Sundays. And, Paul, I should have said that. That's that, that's number one for that's me. That's
0: everything, and that could easily easily take him out of consideration for me. It's in said. a heartbeat. No, 100%, 100%, no argument for me. Okay, so yeah, we're, also, we're even yeah. there. Yep. Yeah, also, whether my last, last could
4: put him in a more wait. precarious spot, too. Right.
0: Well, the fact yeah. that he was able to do his pro
4: day, I think. No, is, sure, is positive, but, you know, you but, just yeah, don't know if those things could come back to bite you. But, no, 100%.
0: 100%. My, my last question
6: is... Uh, Concerns the running back. Uh, I'm a little nervous with Saquon Barkley and virtually nobody else. There's four good runners coming out uh,
3: this year. Well, Scott, I want to pause you for a second. Matt is
0: not bad. Matt Breida's been a 2A running back in this Legit. league for years. Like, he's fine. Legit. Right. But and in this offense, by
4: the way, should be very valuable with his speed. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, He knows okay. the offense because well, he came over from Buffalo, too. Yeah.
6: My, my, my With the running backs that are coming out, Walker, Brees Hall, Spiller, and Brian Robinson, uh, those are probably the four top running backs. Is 36 too early to think about a running back uh, yes. for the Giants? Yes, I'll is. take that question yeah, well you. Thank
0: you, Scott. Yeah, that would be way too early for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hall and Walker are on a tier by themselves with the running back class this year. I don't think anyone else is close to them, to be quite honest with you. I actually like Rashad White and James Cook as my running backs three or four. Um, three and four, and those are round three guys. I think only two running backs will be taken in the first two rounds, Hall and Walker. I think that's it.
4: Given the running game issues for the Giants, clearly, to me, it doesn't matter who you put back there. Yeah, until- you
0: got to block it. Yeah,
4: so, I mean, that should be the number one priority. Now, that's not to say that you should overlook it. I understand the importance of having protection for Saquon because Saquon hasn't proven that you know, he could get through an entire season consistently. But you got Matt Breida, who's a veteran. He knows the offense. You got Gary Brightwell, who you drafted in the sixth round of 2021. You know, maybe give him some more work this offseason. See what you get out of him. I know he's mainly a special teamer, but you might as well try to see if he gets some value out of him. And then... You bring in to me a veteran free agent if you don't address that position. There's also guys that haven't signed with teams. That to me could be addressed. I, I don't see how that has to be a huge priority no. early in the draft. To
0: me, if that's your first pick in the fourth round, that's fine. Yeah. You wanna pick your second third round pick and if you really like James Cook as like a third down back and you think he's like a really great playmaker, you wanna pick him with your second third round pick, okay. I would not think about running back before that would that would be pick number one, two, three, the 5th pick in the draft
4: for the Giants.
3: I would yeah, not think I, about I'm it going day that. 3. Yeah, day That's 3, three before I'm really well, looking at the back. Because there's running other drafts.
4: positions you can address with talent with upside. I mean, why would you sacrifice that?
0: Yeah, and and day 3 you could find, you know, Pierre Strong as a guy if you really want some speed. He's a guy you could think about. You know, I have Rashad White as a round three guy. He might be there in round four. Isaiah Spiller might be there in round four. Brian Robinson could be. Zamir White. I mean, there's a bunch of different guys you can take a look at. Damian Pierce will probably be a day three pick, in my opinion.
3: Now, so, now, just remember something. In terms of value, there's a lot of running backs that are going to be there. Fourth round is a really good place for them. Fourth round's a really good place for tight ends, also. So, when you know that the tomato patch is full, I'm going food here. I know, I know you love that, Lance. I'm going food. The tomato patch is full. Thank you. The Giants need a starting tight end a hell of a lot more
4: than they do starting running back. I would put, yeah, I think there's a higher priority on tight end. I agree. Let's also see one other thing. Remember... I know it was Josh Allen there, and I am in no way saying Daniel Jones is Josh Allen, nor do I think they should utilize him. But if you look at how much they ran the ball with conventional running backs yeah. in Buffalo, okay, <laughs> not much. Something, yeah, no. something tells me Lance. that Joe Shane and Brian Dable may not be valuing that position immensely. No,
0: Lance, you're right. And by the way, this is why I'm thinking maybe the team isn't going to you know value Aquanu as much as they do Neal or Cross. You look at Mike Kafka, where he came from in the Chiefs, you look where Brian Dable came Understood. from in Buffalo. Understood. Do they give a—I'm not going to say they're going to pass it 90% of the time, but did they prioritize running no, the not football? not at all. Yeah. I mean, they did well, draft
4: Clyde Edwards-Elair in the first round, Kansas City. They but, did,
0: but oh, but he he's like he, he was a good receiver, and he's, sure. and he's not a downhill guy. No, they, you know? they, you're right,
4: though. Yeah, they brought in, like, Jarek McKinnon and Sean McCoy. Williams. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Now, I see, mean, by
3: the same token, though, okay— when you look at the profile for what kind of running back are they going to want, okay, pass pro is going to be huge on their list. And the ability to catch and catch the football. Hands is going Mm -hmm. to be number two. Route running is going to be number three. Speed and elusiveness is probably going to be number four. Between the tackles is probably no, not going to be very high. Yeah, well, like, like what,
0: for example, like Brian Robinson out of Alabama, I I don't think that would even interest them. I don't think so. Go ahead, Lance. I'm sorry.
4: No, I was just gonna say I'm looking over the free agent market, and granted, I understand the Giants don't have a little wiggle room, but you know, if a guy really wants to play and it's right in camp, he may take the veteran minimum. I'm looking at names on the list who serve all of the roles and purposes that the two of you just threw out. David Johnson's on the free agent market, Philip Lindsay, Sony Michelle, oh, Latavius Murray. Who was actually mm-hmm. on the Ravens roster last year. Not that the Ravens people came over here, but maybe Wink mm-hmm. thinks highly of him. So I that mean there's mean? four guys right there to me that are more than suitable as insurance policies for sake.
3: And you know something else too? I'm not gonna be presumptuous to tell you that I know anything about the Williams running back they brought down from Buffalo. The practice squad no, nearly sure. I. I know nothing about him. And but, by the way. But Brian Dable and Shane wanted him down here for a reason.
0: And by the way, Zach Moss, who they did draft in the third round of Buffalo, was a bruising between yeah, the tackles. power back, but guy. he also yeah. struggled to stay healthy. No, no correct. No, I'm just yeah. saying, you know, I said, well, you know, maybe No, in they, terms of know, the
4: characteristics. Well, yeah, I, I hear you. You yeah. know,
0: I, I was saying, you know, they wouldn't have any interest in Brian Robinson, but Robinson's actually pretty similar to to, to Zach Moss. So maybe they would yeah, at, but at some you, point later in the draft. If, I don't know.
3: If you took him, you'd have to take him at a higher value point than you would the way they use Moss, because he had such a small part of their playbook. Right. Because Singleton was, single Terry was single their was
4: their guy. 1A, now, he was their one Moss
3: was their 1B. Right. Correct.
4: Now, guys, I just want to throw one other thing out that I don't think we considered. Does the status of Saquon Barkley's future change the mindset?
0: I don't think so because I feel like you can find a running back in a draft any year that you want. And I'm with you. I I just, that and, wasn't and, something we threw and Lance, out, though. Frankly, in terms of his contract status. how about this one, too? You don't want to overlap your running backs. You know, I'm of the mind, generally speaking, running backs on second contracts don't generally go too well. You know, guys get hurt. That's the same argument we had about drafting a running back high, right? So if you are going to try to pick the eventual heir apparent to Saquon, if that's what your goal is here, I'm not saying that's what it is, but in our theoretical conversation, that's what your goal is. You don't want to overlap one of those rookie contract years with Barkley. You want to start that guy on his rookie year, the first year Saquon's not here. Right. So you want to wait until he's out the door, whether that's next year, the year after that, the year mm-hmm. after that, or the year after that, who knows, whenever it is. You don't want to double up on those running back rookie contracts if you want to use a guy
3: as, you know, your primary back is my point. Yeah. And again, to to hammer home the point of the guy they're probably looking for, they allowed Booker to walk out the door and they signed Matt Breida. Because he's more the style of yeah, what speed. Dable wants. Yeah. Booker, well, he knows the, the offense too, guy. you know, yeah. and that that further gives you an example of the kind of guy they might be thinking about later in the draft. Though Booker, a really good pass pro guy, and he is good. No hand. question. So that's one thing that he could have done well. That no question. Used well, he's
4: or still yet. on the free agent
3: market. The can do that too.
0: And his salary was also a factor there yeah. too, obviously. All right, let's wrap it up with Clay in Brooklyn. He called us back. Clay, what's going on?
7: Hey, guys, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened last time, but thanks for the nah, No, no worries, man. What do you game. got?
0: I think that was our fault. Go ahead.
7: So, a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to play devil's advocate. And I know you're running out of time, so I'll be critical. No, if you're I can. fine. No, um, did your thing. You're I, okay. Okay. Um, you, I think Trayvon Walker is not going in the top 10. Trayvon Walker was, without question, the fourth best defensive lineman on that team. Clay,
0: I, look, Clay, but, I, I agree with you theoretically. I've talked to enough people around the league. He's going in the top five, period. Stop. Okay,
7: we'll, we'll have a friendly bet. Okay, friendly agree. bet. What do, to what do I get? <laughs> what I win,
0: yeah, what but, do I get? When I win, what do I get? What do I win when I'm right? I don't, Each other's I don't mutual think we, respect. Clay, I, I don't think we have to worry about that, but that's okay. Each I'm other's just mutual respect. <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding, man. What do you got?
7: <laughs> uh, I do think Jordan Davis, and I wrote you, you responded to um, a science.com letter I wrote in. I appreciate it. Oh, I, that I was really you, Clay. Responded. Okay, that was that you. Was oh, that was me.
0: I probably really annoyed you with what I said on the air today then, didn't I?
7: Not at all. Not okay. at all. All right. <laughs> I love agreeing to disagree. Um, you talked about his snap count. I would really quickly. These are the amount of points Georgia won their games by. Seven, and then 49, 27, 62, 37, 24, 17, 27, 37, yeah, they
0: blew 24, everybody up. 49, yeah, and but, 45. Yeah, no, Clay, I, and Why by the way, I—, I snaps in those games? I saw Why would it, he
7: play snaps in those games?
0: I saw you wrote back in the mailbag. I couldn't answer the same question again, but I, I did see your okay. response. Um, you. Here's the problem, though. Look at Kobe Dean's snap counts in those games. Look at Trayvon Walker's snap counts in those games. Look at uh, number 88 nah. snap counts in those games. They don't go Jalen down. Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter, they, yes. They, well, their snaps yeah. don't go down.
7: I get that. So Davis tires. I, I didn't say he doesn't tire. I'm saying. What's the problem with him not playing high snap counts in games where up by 49 and 45 and
3: 62 points? Because he hasn't shown yes, he, he can tired. be
0: consistently same. good on a lot of snaps in a
3: game. He, I Once agree. again, you're inserting so, so a I'm projection. Not. Right. Okay. Correct. That, Correct. And, 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 and the more projections Warper, you put. Well, we've already discussed Trayvon that, doesn't though. Have production, we've so already, we've already told you. To consider Trayvon Walker a dangerous edge guy is more I mean, projection. Oh, and Clay, by we've, the way, we that right. to and, you. and Clay, we here we are not like super
0: high on like Trayvon Walker, a future star. We're just talking about how the league seems to view him. You know what I mean?
7: I hear you. So I'm saying, if you put him next to Dexter, that they the, the the sum is greater than than the parts. He he makes Dexter better. Dexter makes him better. They both play 35, 36, 37 snaps a game. 30 of which they're in the field at the same time, and teams can't run between the tackles. And they take up four offensive linemen every running play. There's no chance that you're blocking either of them with one offensive lineman or between the tackles running play.
0: No, that, that, no not, that, that, that's not fine. No, I, I, I get where you're coming from. Here's the problem. Games in this league where the games are close every week, is to quote the great Paul Dottino, the quicksand of mediocrity, sure. are decided... In, <laughs> in, in, ching, 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 <laughs> copyright, yes. copyright. They are decided generally in situations when you're throwing the football. And he is not I going to that. be on the football field in those situations. Correct. That That's a correct. problem. So, who is
7: a better Mets pitcher, Gary Gentry or Jacob deGrom? Ja- Gary Gentry completed 22 games in his Mets career. Jacob Degrom completed four. Yeah,
4: it was also Did a different that make game, Gary though. Gentry
7: a better pitcher. The complete games. Gary Gentry had twenty-two complete yeah, games. Yeah, but be- but baseball is Jacob, a
0: completely different sport. It's it's not a fair. You comparison. don't have to
7: finish everything. You you if 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 your defensive tackle can't stop the run, so it's third and two and third and three. And now he can get after the quarterback. Oh, no! But no, he but, is not no, doing a better Clay. job than a defensive tackle I, that leaves you with third and seven and then
4: walks. I, off the I team. think you're
3: misunderstanding I, all of this. No right. one is saying that the player is not valuable in some capacity. There's right. no question he can provide some elements to your football team. No one is disputing that. And you can.
0: But here, and, and here's the other part of it too. You can go out on the free agent market and find a good run-stopping defensive tackle for like $8 million a year. Usually, I don't it, if, if, a... If, if, if you want to find a really good pass rusher on the free agent market, you're paying $20 million a year.
4: That's why if you're going to which draft is, somebody, you might as well do it which who is... could do both jobs. Or yeah, but yeah, that's the right. way it works. But there aren't that many. Value, do, yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of Chris
7: Joneses. There's not a lot of you know DeForest Buckners. But I'm saying... If, no, 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 no. Time, out time, time, time to... out, time out, time
0: out, time out, time out. Chris Jones and DeForest Buckner are... Eight bajillion times better pass rushers than Jordan Davis. That's right yes. said. I'm yes. agreeing with you. Right? I said, okay, I got not you. Not a lot of guys. That's true. Like oh, I got you. Not okay, a I got, lot you. Of guys like I got that. you. I got you.
7: Right. So what I'm saying is, especially if we don't pick up Dex's uh, fifth year option, and we've got a week or so to do that in, and we haven't done it yet. So either Jordan becomes the next Dex next year if we let Dex go, which I think would be a huge mistake. Or you put the two of them next to each other for the next few years, and we have, in 2020, Leo looks so much better because Dalvin was here. Or, I think Jordan Davis is going to be better than Dalvin.
0: Or, and, or, and that or,
7: makes the team better.
0: Or maybe you just pick Travis Jones in the second round. And it will give
7: you the exact maybe, same but thing. But I just
0: don't think, I don't think, he, he doesn't give you the exact same thing. He's I think not he does. the exact same thing. I think
7: he does. Okay, well, that that's where we disagree. I think Jordan that's athleticism
3: aside you know here's, seven, eight, here's the problem here's the problem you clearly love the player and you just need yeah. to have the player on your team and you're entitled to feel that way and honestly you are that's okay <laughs> right. that's okay and I, but and, just and, so and you like, know he's not Vince Wilfork he's not no he's not he's,
7: he's much not more athletic
3: than that yeah uh, he, he also does not nearly though. have the shedding or the yanking power anchor power or the ability to push the pocket like Vince used to he's not you Wolf think Wolf. He snacks Harrison? Yes, you know what? I think He's he, similar. Yes,
0: I Simbler. think, I think I, I he think could, he's could be. a more athletic Snacks, snacks, yes, snacks Harrison. Yes, I agree. I would never pick a more a more athletic Snacks Harrison with the seventh overall pick in the draft. He can't. Not in a million
4: but years. I mean, I don't know what
3: your argument you, oh, is. Is your before, argument before that, you they, go, that he belongs in the go. top ten, or is your argument before that he belongs in the first round? What What is the point you're trying to make? I'm not sure we understand exactly where you're going.
7: I would love to get him in the top 12 if we could trade down, I'd take him at seven, but if we could trade down with, with Seattle at nine and add their, 40, their pick number right. 40 and then pick them I'll at i I'll leave nine, you with I'd this.
3: If you would take Wait. him at seven, you'd have no problem because nobody else is going to take him there. Trust me. Wait,
7: Wait. last thing. Yep. Final you point, go. final point. Cross is the best pass blocking right tackle of the three. If, if no tackles go in the first four, I'd take Cross at five. As you just said, this team is going to be built around the pass, not the run. As much as I love Saquon, and I think he's going to be amazing under this system, if we can't pass protect, we're still never going to win games. And it's clear that he's the best pass protector. And I have no idea why people think he can't move to right tackle. I can understand somebody who's played right tackle worrying if he can move to left tackle. I don't get the argument about why he won't be a good right tackle. Well, Clay, I, I, I'm going to 20 tell you, years old.
0: I'm I'm going to tell you. Listen, it's going to hit tomorrow on the Giants huddle. I talked David Deal and Shona Howard. We have a six minute conversation um, during our hour podcast about what it means for a guy to move from left to right. So go check it out and enjoy it. All right.
7: I look forward to it, guys. Thank you, for your Clay. time. I appreciate it. Take, Take care. care. Appreciate
0: you calling it, man. Good stuff. And uh, by the way, I just before we did. This episode today, I recorded a draft season with Tony Pauline and Eric Crocker that's landing this afternoon. Make sure you go check it out. He said he talked to people around the league, around the offensive tackles, where they have them ranked. Half of them at a Charles Cross first because of the pass problem.
3: I'm thrilled if they get Charles Cross. Yeah. No, I'd still rather I'm have not, a quadru.
0: I'm not having a I'm not trying to have an argument. No, with you, no. I'm just Tr- Trust
3: me, folks. Let me make that no, clear. But, uh, if Gi- Giants get Charles Cross, I'm still very happy. Well, for that. But by the way, I'm
0: just I'm I'm saying Clay is right. Is that his pass protection ability it's terrific? Is, but here's what I don't get: if, if Clay loves Charles Cross's pass protection, but he wants to pick him first, why does he want to pick the run stopper with the other pick? Wouldn't you rather pick the pass rusher? <sighs> Go ahead, Lance. I heard you want so, to say something there.
4: Yeah. No, I was going to say, I think it just goes back to what you prioritize within your offense as to which offensive lineman you'd prefer. And if you're a pass-happy team, then yeah, Charles Cross makes a lot of sense. If you're a team that wants to run the football, I wouldn't necessarily prioritize him. I'd probably look for another tackle or a guy that has a little bit more flexibility to go inside-outside. So that's why I think you're going to see a differentiation on some draft boards.
0: Mm -hmm. It comes down to the scheme. Yeah, I would probably still have Neil as my number one. Cross is my two, and then Aquanu will be my three. And my guess is that Paul is Aquanu, Neil, Cross.
3: Yeah, and the only reason I put Neil ahead across is because of the proof that we do have that he can play right tackle, playing right tackle and, and guard. right guard and left yeah. guard, four positions. That's proof. Well, that holds That's a lot of a value. You well, know, yeah. Neil's
0: overall size, his length, this—he uh, has. I, I have trouble. Like there are a couple of technical things, and again, go check out that O'Hara deal podcast. They get into like heel clicking and stuff like that that they worry about Neil, but Neil is kind of in the Hutchinson category for me for as a very, very safe prospect in this draft. Like, I know I'm getting a very good starter, at least. I would agree with that.
4: Well, I think safety and the Giants should be synonymous with one another, especially based on the position they're in right now. Yeah,
0: you, you can't miss.
4: Yeah, you can't so. miss. I think then that's more of a reason why you have to consider certain players like that. The other thing I just wanted to throw out, Snacks yeah, had 11 sacks in 10 seasons. And I love Snacks, and Snacks <laughs> is a solid guy. No, but I, I mean like come on. too. Seriously? I mean, you really want to draft a guy that'll give you 11 sacks in 10 seasons and by the with way, that high of a pick? For that prototype of that style of player...
3: Snacks, Vince Wolfolk, those two guys are probably about as good as you're going to get for that prototype of a player. Yeah. And, and Vita Vey would be another guy. Oh, but yeah. And none of us are picking those. The, that guy in the top no. seven. No, we're no, just not. It. All right, everybody. So
0: tomorrow it'll be Detino, Fiegels and I'll pop on, assuming uh, the new Schmelk is not on his way. Uh, we'll have, again, Arif Hasan, uh, hopefully right off the top at noon, and then we're going to have Mike Golick Sr. at 1250 talking draft. Make sure you check it out. For Lance Meadow and Paul DeTino, I'm John Schmelk, And don't forget, by the way, you can call 888-NYG-1925 if you're interested in Giants, Suites, or season tickets for 2022. Or go to Giants.com slash tickets or Giants.com slash suites. We'll see you next time, everybody.